the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing in more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Fourth quarter. Oh, good gosh. We're in the fourth quarter. We're down by seven. We're off to a good start. Each of the major indices recorded new record highs yesterday. You know what's amazing about that? Holy mackerel. The the markets hit record highs yesterday in the face of the second worst day in American history as far as domestic killings ever. That stuns me. Um, I've been doing this for a long time, and somehow I would have thought the market would have taken a day off. Nope. There is no abject concern about the mass shooting in Las Vegas, even though there's ample concern about what happened. There is a lot of debate instantly heating up about gun control, but if you can't get gun, gun control going after the Newton School Massacre where kindergartners, kindergartners, were shot down by automatic weapons, semi-automatic weapons, mentally health-challenged people. You're not going to get gun control in the United States. Um, that's just my opinion. It's a little broker advisor for action on any opinions revealed on the show. Um, sellers are just not out there right now because there's a fear of missing out. Fourth quarter has a history of being a good quarter in the stock market. That's great. Seasonality is a factor. It's a positive. It is a plus contributes to the stock market's resilient resilient disposition. Uh, this is a pretty cheery market. Have you ever dated someone who was a little bit too cheery too often? And they're like, oh, 59 plus Americans were killed today. Yeah, but do you want to go on a picnic? That's the stock market. It seems to find the good in not the news, but in the tone of the market. Warren Buffett's in the news today. He comes out every now and then and hangs out with Becky Quick. I think he's 87 years old. Holy mackerel. He's the greatest investor of all time. He is the Michael Jordan of investing. He is the king of Wall Street. And uh, 10 years ago, he made a bet with a hedge fund manager. He's like, if I buy S&P 500, I'll compare my performance versus yours for the next 10 years. And he crushed the hedge fund manager. And now hedge fund managers are crawl out of the woodwork. I'll take that bet. I'll take that bet. I'll take that bet. He's like, fine. Just put up a significant portion of your own money. And suddenly everyone shuts up. Put up or shut up, my friends. And that is a shut up. Shut up! 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. There is a new venture capital company out there, not a new venture capital company, but a new company that's getting some um, fund from venture capital. 
Uh, you've seen companies like Netscape. You've seen companies like Facebook. You've seen innovative companies like Snap go out in the venture community and raise millions and sometimes billions of dollars. Now, with backers like August Capital, Kleiner, Perkins, Caulfield, Shasta Ventures, they've poured over $100 plus million into a new company. I'm about to tell you about a new company that is so revolutionary, it'll knock your socks off. Rihanna and Jay-Z our beloved venture capitalists in this company. It's all about disruption. It's all about taking something that is a commodity and trying to find a sleeper behemoth. Just something we could kind of knock around. We've seen kind of odd venture capital plays like with Casper for mattresses. Mattresses, we used to think, let's run to Macy's. Let's run to... Mancini Sleep World. Let's go pick up a mattress. But now it's like, let's just call it, get it online and get it delivered. And keep in mind, in between those two, there was a disruptor called 1-800-MATTRESS. Keep the last S for shavings. There's Hubble that makes contact lenses. There's Brandless for food and household goods. So there's a new IPO company. Are you ready? Are you ready? One of the... Before we go even further, one of the cameos in the pitch for the company, Kobe Bryant. I know you're saying, not that impressed. That don't impress me. Who was that? Reba McIntyre? No. Who was that? It wasn't Faith. Shania Twain. So that's like Chad Burton. Chad Burton's one of the lyrics in that song. Chad Burton kisses himself goodnight. He kisses his car goodnight. He kisses himself goodnight in the mirror. Um, He's impressive. I know. I know. So um, so anyway, Chewbacca makes a cameo in the venture capital pitch. I know you're saying, get to it, Black. Get to it. Who? What is this company? What do they do? Socks. They make socks. It's a company called Stance. And they make socks. And that's it. And they've pulled in $110 million. And you're saying... Have people lost their minds? And this is one of those things where maybe people have lost their minds. Are you out of your mind? And maybe this is a sign that, you know, Wall Street is kind of a little loco in the cocoa. Now, they've done some nice things. Like, they've got some pretty cool Michael Jackson thriller socks. They've got some, um, they put messages on socks. So, they've got some kid socks that are cute. But socks really need to be innovated, or maybe like tidy whities Maybe underwear needs to be innovated, and we, let's start with socks. And then suddenly it starts to make a little bit more sense of, like, what can we brand on our body that we haven't branded yet? My Apple Watch is a symbol to men and women. Fear me. I'm powerful. I have a symbol, a token of power. I'm kind of a big deal. Now, if I, if I had the Michael Jackson Thriller socks, I'd probably be even bigger. But this company, Stance, also makes Freddy Krueger socks, Jason socks. Um, They make the Madre de la Aloha socks, which is like a Mother Mary with a Hawaiian theme to it. Um, They've got some red, white, and blue socks. They've got socks. And they've pulled in $110 million. And some of the things that they do is they kind of like figure out you know, what sort of sock you want, what sort of pattern you want, what sort of fiber you want, wool, nylon, polyester, cotton, what sort of color, what sort of thickness, what sort of size. 
Um, and it's all out there. But they've got Star Wars socks. They've got Disney socks. They've got Chewbacca socks, like I said. Um, R2-D2. They, they are they are what they are. Um, and I guess that's about all I should say at this point in time. I got nothing else. But that might be a sign of do we really need like a dot-com socks company? It's a really good question. Do we really need an innovative 21st century sock? Or is that Nike running sock good enough? Or is this a wake-up call to Nike like you're not good enough? So there's Biggie Small socks, for those of you who miss Biggie Smalls. There's Kevin Durant 35 socks. Um, running at 10 bucks a pair doesn't sound crazy. But then again, I think I get a big old pack at Kirkland or Amazon. Probably 20 sets of socks for 20 bucks or $22, $23. So it's a tough call, right? Are you with me against me? You got to choose a side. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. This is a civil war of investing. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Warren Buffett says he will own Bank of America for a long, long, long time. He was asked which one he favors more, Wells Fargo or Bank of America. And quickly and smartly, he told Becky Quick, which kid do you favor more? Becky Quick's got more than one child, is the idea. Um, I like Warren Buffet. I think he's right on with the way he talks and the way he helps people get to retirement. ATM fees are up 55% over the last 10 years. I tend to find people who play lottery tickets and scratchers to be like, wow, I don't have a Darwinian wood chipper, but if I did, I'd set it up right next to that lottery. Jump on in. You're finished. The next thing, place that I would set up my Darwinian wood chipper is right next to banks. And uh, when you go to a bank that's not your bank and you get hit with a $4.69 out-of-network withdrawal, that's up 2.6% from last year. ATM fees are up 55% in the last 10 years. A, if you use a debit card, you're in the Darwinian chipper. Debit cards are for those weak-minded. B... If you're paying to get your own money, you're into the Darwinian chipper through ATM fees. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry about your sister. She used a debit card. Sorry about your brother. Yeah, spent $4.69 to get 20 bucks. Sorry. 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 I love him. Sorry. Sorry. Seriously, people, you do not know how high I get from having a little sound effect guy follow me around every day. Sorry. It's, it's good loving. It's good loving. That's what I say. Well, let's just say sexy time. My sorry guy comes out often. Hey, Bubba. You want a back massage? And I pull out my big old claws and I start scratching her back and rubbing her shoulders. And she goes, that's not sexy. And my little voice says. He says, Sorry. Very white. Oh, women run from me. I'm like greatest Halloween costume of all time. The uh, and I don't think people would know it anymore. 
the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Anyhow, and anyway, time to change topics, because I'm off topic. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Um, movie Pass has totally changed relationships with movie theaters. I told you about Movie Pass about a month ago, and for $9.95 a month, you can basically go see any movie you want. Um, one movie per day in theaters. The public went nuts over Movie Pass, struggling to keep up with demand for 100,000 new subscribers. There's a funky system. They give you like a debit card that you use, and boom, out comes the free ticket. Critics have questioned whether the Movie Pass model, which relies on Movie Pass paying theaters the full price for tickets, will collapse under its own weight, even though they got $27 million in fresh capital. I know people who have used it, and they love it. MoviePass CEO Mitch Lowe told uh, the press that when people first sign up, they go through a bit of a high. They're excited. They see a whole bunch of movies before settling into their regular pattern. Movies that you may not go see typically like It or Mother, um, it works. Now, here's the problem with both of those movies. They're both bad movies. So this is like insurance for movie theaters to get people to come see movies. And I think movies in general have become pretty awful. Now, I probably sound like my father when I say that, or maybe I just have some standards. I've always insisted people that I date have 32 teeth. And I I think, give Jennifer Lawrence credit. Her first few movies, she was bubbly and she was sparkly like champagne. But now she's a little bit flat like Prosecco that's been sitting out for 72 hours. And if you buy popcorn at movies, you know, whoo, which people never do sometimes, and suddenly they're going to see a free movie. So concession stands with MoviePass are up 123%. So you feel kind of extravagant, then you feel kind of fat. Theaters in the program give MoviePass a 20% discount on tickets, and in exchange see a boost in the number of people choosing their theater, especially because MoviePass touts them in the app. There's still a lot of big questions about the underlying business model and whether it'll work and or not. Um... You know, Netflix was once a DVD delivery service, and now they're all about the streaming, and they're all about the 4K, which, for the record, I love. I love it, 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 I love it. I find myself watching 4K content, even if I don't like the content. I love it, well, like, I love it, I love it, I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. Bring me my Prosecco. For the record, Saturday Night Live this weekend was pretty funny. Um, watched it in hindsight, which is 2020 when I was told, uh, it's back, but then it was, uh, on again. Oracle's doing Oracle world right now. And I'm considering thinking about investing in Oracle. They're doing some things right right now. And they've got a kind of a value valuation. Blockchain technology is no longer just for startups. You've heard about blockchain. Maybe Oracle's going to announce today that it's releasing a new platform for next year that's designed to help businesses use blockchain technology for supply chain management and smart contracts. Platforms built on top of the Hyperledger Fabric, an open source blockchain endorsed by other enterprise competitors um, like IBM, Cisco, SAP, and Intel. Oracle joined the Hyperledger project, which is part of the Linux Foundation, as a supporting member. And um, blockchains are often thought of in context of Bitcoin or other cybersecurities, cybercurrencies. But increasingly, companies outside of finance are using blockchain to replace long-held authentication practices in law, in real estate, in shipping, in finance. So they seem to be moving into the right area. Blockchain is hot, hot, hot right now. 
800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Tesla Model 3 deliveries could be worse than expected in 2018. You're seeing some negative, negative, negative news hit Tesla right now. In fact, there's one analyst who's calling for a 30%, is it 30% or a 40% fall in the share of Tesla? Um, and I only bring that up because it's, it's sexy, uh, but it's also, what, what do you feel about your exposure to Tesla if you're long Tesla? Shorts are starting to get a little bit of momentum on shares of Tesla this year after having been gotten wiped out by uh, the stock always moving higher. Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, Goldman Sachs analyst David Tamberino, he reaffirms his sell rating for Tesla. He's predicting Model 3 production is going to be slower than expected. Uh, he thinks Tesla delivered 26,000 total vehicles of the Model 3 versus fax that estimations of 25,800. Um, so he sees a 40% correction in the share price. Tesla reported third quarter deliveries on Monday, and it basically more or less hits mark on the low end. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Ticket giveaway later. Ticket giveaway later. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing in more. Oil prices are falling on signs of higher output. Oil's been in the news this year, but it kind of gets a lot of back page news. Um, something Wall Street continues to you know deal with the main street press versus the what's in the news what's not what should we be pushing today what should we not be pushing warren buffett's out in the news today i love it when warren buffett talks almost as much as i love when patrick o'hare talks how are you mr o'hare briefing.com hey rob i'm doing okay thanks if you live another 40 plus years you could catch up to warren buffett's uh, track record of longevity in the markets you got that I'm, going I'm for you for it so I got that to look forward to. <laughs> Which is nice. Yeah. Uh, Lama gives you eternal life. Uh, oh, yeah. Don't worry. Off topic. Uh, yesterday, I was a little bit surprised that the market hit all-time highs on a day where the headlines were pretty much so all-time lows for the U.S. as far as media coverage goes on Las Vegas shootings. Is there anything to make of the markets being so resilient that they can push through a rather crappy day in headlines. Well, you know, I, I, kind of what we've talked about in the past, Rob, I mean, we, we have seen these tragic incidents occur, um, not in the U.S., just in the U.S., but around the world, obviously. And, and I mean, the bottom line, you know, when the market looks at an event like that, it's going to assess whether it has any lasting economic impact that's going to disproportionately impact the corporate earnings outlook. And as tragic as what happened in Las Vegas was, uh, the takeaway for the market was that it was not going to have a lasting economic impact and it was not going to unduly impact uh, corporate earnings prospects, except for maybe some of the, you know, uh, a few companies, like namely MGM, uh, which owns Mandalay, uh, and, and which some investors probably are now thinking that they're going to invest a lot more to step up security at their hotel properties, and so that could maybe hurt earnings in the near term. But overall, from a broader market standpoint, um, you know, when you looked at how the stock market behaved yesterday in the face of that just, you know, horrendous episode, um, 
it, it quite honestly was a prudent response, um, and the market continues to uh, rely on this the persistence of low interest rates here uh, and ongoing signs really of you know growth picking up, which are helping to feed this this bullish bias uh, that has yet to been seriously challenged. So we're moving into the final quarter of the year. Um, typically a very friendly quarter for Wall Street. I've been doing this media financial thing for 20 years. Uh, the cliche is that there's a bit of a budget flush, there's some optimism, there's professional investors away while uh, the amateurs are in charge, and we tend to be bullish. Uh, what do you make of the final three months of the year if we can get through the scary October? Right. Well, everything you just laid out is what we hear in a, quote, normal year. You know, now let's add in the prospect that you might get a tax reform plan, right? So, um, so that's going to probably help prop things up. And and when you mentioned Warren Buffett earlier, um, you know, he said something that was really interesting today. Uh, okay. He always says something that's interesting, but you know, as sure. it relates to the fourth quarter outlook, he you know he acknowledged that Berkshire Hathaway is holding off on selling because it's waiting to see what happens with tax reform. Right, uh, and I would guarantee that if Warren Buffett's holding off on selling, a lot of other investors are holding off on selling for the same reasons. You know, in other words, they might have an opportunity to, uh, to when they do take profits, to do so you know at a lower tax rate versus the the higher tax rate that they would you know have to incur now if they sold today. Um, and what I think that suggest to investors is that it doesn't necessarily mean that the market is going to spike to new highs because Warren Buffett is not selling. But what it could do is it could prevent that long-awaited price correction from happening in the fourth quarter because Warren Buffett is not selling. And and probably a lot of other big uh, investors are not selling either simply because there remains this underlying optimism that uh, some type of tax reform plan will be passed uh, and that potentially it could be a retroactive thing as well. So so it was a real uh, interesting comment, and I think it, it speaks to this notion that you're going to have this latent support in the market here uh, that helps prevent, you know, you know, a major sell-off in the near term anyway without, you know, some exogenous shock. That's interesting because uh, I always say that the Warren Buffett shareholder to a letter to shareholders is worth a read by everyone in America who has any sort of idea about retiring, but also like the Becky Quick interviews that he does with CNBC. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're great material, and I'm, I'm happy that you pulled something out of it that I have not even seen yet. Um, I think if we could be more like Warren Buffett, uh, I heard this morning he was challenging. I mean, he was kind of like talking smack to hedge fund managers about doing his 10-year challenge at the S&P 500 versus their track record. What do you think about that concept of the everyman doing index funds like an S&P 500 where you don't have to think versus the hedge fund manager who gets to think and gets to analyze and gets to see flaws and gets to see bonuses of companies? Uh, how are you on the active versus passive uh, debate? Well, I think it you know, probably is somewhat comparable to home ownership, right? The longer you stay in your home, the more opportunity you have to actually take some a decent amount of equity out of it, right? And okay. with the stock market, the longer you're in it, the, the greater opportunity there is to take 
to, to make a lot of money, um, if you will, uh, if you can ride out the volatility that you're going to see in these these bear markets that will crop up from time to time. And, uh, and so for a lot of investors who clearly don't have the time or the inclination to, um, to stay on top of the capital markets and the stock market, uh, you know, when you hear someone like Warren Buffett, uh, pretty much endorse an index, a passively managed index fund, um, and suggest himself that when he dies, he wants pretty much the remaining money he has to be invested in an index fund like the S&P 500 uh, Spider Fund. Um, you know, it resonates for a lot of people. And uh, and I think that the passive investing strategy has its place. Uh, it certainly has, I think, proven to be a winner for uh, for investors with with a longer term outlook. Um, so, and again, what you and I have talked about occasionally, you know, through the years here too, is is that you know timing is important here. Uh, risk tolerance is important here. Um, you know, you're not you're told not to time the market, but really, you know, life throws you curveballs. Right, you never know when you're going to need to raise cash to, uh, you know, to fund an unforeseen medical expense or, or you know, a divorce or something like that. And so, you do have to be conscientious about the fact that the stock market is trading at a higher valuation that is being supported, admittedly, with low interest rates. Uh, but based on what your cash needs, you perceive your cash needs to be here, uh, you know, perhaps a passively managed fund is not the best option right now, given how much easy money has been made during this bull market run off the 2009 lows. Um, because when volatility picks up, you know, and there's kind of this group think, and, a, you know, uh, and everyone's invested in these index funds, these passively managed index funds, um, yeah, you can see some pain, certainly, in the near term, which will interrupt some of your best laid plans. So, uh, you know, so I don't think active management is something that needs to be uh, dismissed entirely, uh, and certainly not at this point in time, probably, given how far we've come and knowing that uh, the potential for a setback is, is there. So, so a lot, again, is just going to have to boil down to one's risk tolerance and their time horizon, uh, but you can never discount um, you know, a viewpoint like the one Warren Buffett has shared, given his long-term track record and many of the blue-chip companies he owns that are in those passively managed funds. I hate to admit this, but 20 years ago when I was a portfolio manager, investment advisor, um, I wanted to be Warren Buffett. It was kind of like my, my I want to go one-on-one with Michael Jordan, and I could not be dumber in hindsight. Um, it's just a grandfather that you want to have that you should listen to um, as much as you can, as often as you can. So, taking a look at the stock markets, um, are you favoring anything at this point in time? Are you going for value? Are you going for the banks with the interest rate plays? Are you going for, is it a sector by sector, a stock by stock market for you? Is it a buy on dips, even though the dips are very small and very shallow? Uh, what are you seeing right now in, in general market activity as far as what you like? You know what we're seeing is is certainly a I think uh, some portfolio rebalancing activity that has favored value over growth, uh, small and mid caps over large caps really, uh, and that has been driven in large part on the uh, the new life that has been breathed into the potential for tax reform and the so-called reflation trade that could um, be a result of it. So uh, so it makes sense that you see the domestically oriented Russell 2000 uh, outperform here. Uh, based on the optimism surrounding, you know, tax reform and the potential for increased economic activity in the United States uh, as a result of it. 
Um, you know, I'm still uh, am a bit cautious in general on the market overall. Um, uh, but I do think that uh, with interest rates, while they've spiked here, you know, off their September lows, uh, about 30 basis points on the 10-year note yield, um, the 10-year note yield is still below where the year started. So, so yes, rates have come up, but, you know, no, they're not high. So you still have the persistence of low interest rates. You still have... Um, some decent earnings growth that should shine through here in the coming quarters, uh, and uh, and you know and, and those are really key mm-hmm. underpinning factors here that will probably keep the market um, supported um, uh, despite some of the concerns about valuations that are out there. You're the best. I look forward to the year in March because there's a lot of content for us to cover. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. I start my day every day with his page one column. Briefing.com, an independent source of both domestic and international markets. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black. I believe that we don't live in a fair world. Whether you're looking at what happened in the last 48 hours in Las Vegas, whether you're looking at Puerto Rico, whether you're looking at being born in the middle of the United States or on the coast of the United States, being born to parents that expect you to go to college versus parents that don't expect you to go to college, parents that want to sacrifice on your behalf versus parents that want to spend every single penny month to month that they can. I don't think this is a fair world. So one of the things I do to try to make it work out for you is I try to give you investment advice, savings advice, ideas to save you money so that you can get wealthy over time. And wealthy just means being able to pay your bills from age 60 to 100 to me. Um, and if you can leave a little bit of money to charity or to family, I think that's awesome. Um, yesterday, someone started a GoFundMe campaign set up for the Las Vegas shooting victims. Funds will go to the financial support of those affected with 59 people killed and over 500 injured. And people in that crowd, their life will never be the same. Um, that was as close as we've gotten to a war zone in the United States that you know I hope we ever get to. Um, the audio footage coming out of that was horrific the audio. So with that said, the campaign's raised more than $900,000 in its first six hours. Uh, it's got a goal of two plus million dollars. This is going to be something that, that their families are ruined. Um, a lot of them will go on to normal lives, but a lot of them will not. So, uh, and that's why you have to have disability insurance. That's why you have to have long term, uh, short term term insurance for your term life. Uh, but law, you know, disability insurance and term life insurance is super, super important um, to financially smooth things out when the worst case scenario hits. Speaking of worst case scenarios, let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. He'll talk a little ETFs for us, actively managed dynamic funds. He does a show from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Tuesdays and Wednesdays here on AM 1220 KDOW. Now, speaking of Goldman Sachs, like I mentioned, they're starting a price war on what's called smart beta ETFs. Now, first of all, what is an ETF? Let's review that. So in the past, you know, Vanguard was the pioneer of index funds. That's where you can go into a mutual fund that owns everything in an index, like the S&P 500. So it owns a portion of 500 different stocks. Now, the S&P 500 is a weighted index. So the top 50 stocks make up the majority of the return in the S&P 500. So it's 500 largest companies in America. So an index fund, you make one investment, and you own a little bit of everything, and you track the index. Then the world of ETFs came around. 
So if you look at the S&P 500 Vanguard index, if you want an ETF that tracks it, SPY or IVV, same investment. The difference is, is an ETF trades all day long like a stock. In other words, you can buy and sell it all day long on the market. A mutual fund, when you make an investment in the morning or, or buy or sell, the, the trade doesn't really occur until the end of the day. It trades one time per day. So with index funds, the costs came down. You can trade them like a stock, get in and out during the day. So they kind of became a bit of a trading vehicle, but also you can do options on them and everything else. So an ETF is a, just a index fund that trades like a stock. All right. Now then these smart beta products came out. Now, a pioneer of the mutual fund world is dimensional funds, where it's basically you take the index and you throw some rules on top of it to try to still keep the cost very low, keep you very diversified as part of the overall market. But the rules include either weighting. And so instead of a market-weighted index, or a cap, I'm sorry, a cap-weighted index where your majority of your money is in the largest companies, you go, I want to own an equal portion of all 500 companies. So less concentration in the top big daddies and a little bit more money down the line in some of the smaller companies. Now, why do that? Typically, over time, smaller companies and more value-oriented companies outperform other types of investing strategies. So common factors used in smart beta, when you hear that term, it's also factor-based investing. That's the other normal term that you'll hear. Equal weighting in an index rather than market cap weighted. They also look at things like momentum. So let the winners continue to win. Size, where they'll look more towards smaller and mid-sized companies to get a little bit more performance in the long run. And quality, such as either value approach, where you're not overpaying price to earnings, or profitability. So really, all smart beta means, it might not be smart, but it's just a way to say, I'm going to take an index, an index-based mutual fund, I'm going to throw some rules on top of it. So what's better? You think, well, that sounds a little bit better. I mean, here's the issue. Right now, everybody's pushing everyone towards just index investing, just like in 2006, where management typically comes into play is when you do have a tough period in the market. That's where stock picking comes into play a little bit. So I don't like to do 100% index investing. I really don't. I like a mix of it all. I'll still buy individual stocks if they're companies that are growing, and they also have a history of increasing their dividend by 10% a year on average. That's only for accounts that are over half a million dollars. Under that, you don't need individual stocks. You need a mix of index funds and smart beta or factor-based investing in the large cap and mid cap areas. So to review, large cap, mid cap, US stocks, I like a mix of indexing and smart beta. Small cap, I like a mix of smart beta and managed, where you get a really good manager in there because that's where the innovation is. And good small cap companies tend to become mid cap companies. And um, there's a little bit more management required. International investing, I really prefer mostly managed with some smart beta in there. So I like a mix of it all. I don't like the idea of, as an investor, saying, put me in a box as just an index, index investor, just as a managed mutual fund, or just as a stock picker. They all have their place in a portfolio. Your first hundred to 200,000 index funds. And maybe you start adding some smart beta on top of that. And then eventually at a half a million, you start adding some individual stocks. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.